0: Jeff, I'd like to welcome you to the Revamp podcast. We're really happy to have you aboard today and um, really eager to learn a lot more from your experiences. For those who don't already know you, could you perhaps just by, by starting by saying who you are, your current role and position, and, and maybe where you're working and a little bit about that company?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Gideon. Appreciate you having me on today. Uh, so my name is Jeff Wadholm and I am the vice president of global revenue operations uh, at a company called MindBody. Um, so we are a business management software. Uh, we focus in the wellness space. Um, so if you haven't heard of MindBody as a software company, you may have heard us as a consumer. We have an app uh, that you can go on and, uh, and find local wellness in your area, whether it's a salon, a spa, a fitness class, uh, any of the verticals uh, in the wellness industry. So I've uh, lead the revenue operations organization there.
0: Fantastic. And I know for, for some people, the role of revenue operations is something that's still being defined and recognized, um, in the wider, in the wider space. How did you find yourself um, getting into that role? What was your journey or your pathway?
1: Great great question. So, um, so I started my career in corporate FP&A. So I was a FP&A analyst and moved into a leadership role where I was leading a, a revenue management function. And, um, a good dear friend of mine. His name is Ramsey Hashem. Um, Ramsey was a CRO at the time, and I was his support partner. So we were having a usual monthly variance expense review, and uh, and I'll, I'll never forget it because it was a polarizing moment for me. He said, uh, "He said, hey man. He said, you got too much personality to be doing this job working in finance. Um, hmm. Why don't you come over and work for me?" And, uh, and I was both, it was a compliment and I was also offended. Um, mm. And I said, and I said, I'll, I'll never forget my response. I said, yeah, Hey, I can't sell. What are you talking about? And he said, I oh, know you idiot. He said, come over to my side and, and do what you do over there, but do it over here. Um, and this was, this was uh, probably 13 years ago, I think um, mm-hmm. and, and at the time sales operations was still early in its um, adoption across uh, large corporate. So it was still new um, in a concept we had, we had some sales operations background, but uh, but wasn't something that was on my radar. Um, so I, I just remember I went home that day and had a little heart-to-heart with my family, and and uh, we we took a leap of faith, and, and here I am, you know, 13 years later, and and hopefully, you know, part of the part of that adoption phase, I'd love to love to think of myself as someone that's been involved there.
0: So have you seen a lot of significant changes within the space within the sales operations role? I guess yeah. of course the, the technology would have changed, but have the processes changed significantly?
1: yeah I think um, I think from core sales operations, uh, the function has stayed uh, has evolved, but is still uh, in its nucleus is similar. Um, the mm-hmm. technology is really where things have accelerated. Um, and not just with AI or ML, but it just in the access to data and our ability to manipulate, move, um, change, find information it has just um, accelerated significantly, especially in just the last you know three, four years. Um, but I think, from a just purely sales operations perspective, um, a lot of the core functionality does remain the same and I think um, I would say that we 're continuing to add on um, rather than you know subtract from that core of where it, where it all started
0: absolutely so today <clears throat> you 've got a, an interesting subject for us to uh, to dive into just going to refer to to my uh, headline notes here aligning your revenue operations mission to enterprise value creation so absolutely a mouth watering title break it down, start us off. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So, so I think uh, if I back up just a little bit, what I would say is I think a lot of us in, in sales and revenue operations, um, we do ourselves a disservice and we at times marginalize our impact by just the words we choose. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a hard time stepping out of our world um, and we use things like we use words like productivity and efficiency um, and while that's really sexy for other sales ops and rev ops professionals, um, I think we lose our audience at the C suite at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I think about uh, my foundational approach to revenue operations, it's really around how do we create more value in our business? And we can dive into what that means, but it's really around less around um, efficiency and effectiveness and more about how do we create a more valuable um, company out that we can show out to the world. And um, and I think I, I've seen it kind of time and time again. And the, the bigger the audience, it almost seems like we we just continue to perpetuate the uh, efficiency, effectiveness, and uh, a- analytics, right? And at the end of the day, um, I believe the core of all that is to is to grow the company, you know, at scale, effectively, efficiency, and and, and create enterprise value.
0: So I'm going to take a leap of faith here and say that when you come with the mindset of how to create more value for the company, it's probably been influenced to some degree by the fact that you've been involved in several M&A type of situations yourself. You've lived that, you've walked, you've walked a mile in those shoes. And of course you will have known from, you know, in a really profound way about what that value can be, how that value can be articulated on the receiving end of it. And now you're perhaps in the, in the driving seat of creating that value. How has that experience affected um, your view and your yeah. practice.
1: Yeah. I mean, it started early in my career. I think, you know, as a, as a rev Ops professional having an FP and a background, I, I believe I, I learned the language of business, which is finance. And it, and it gave me a different, interesting, unique perspective into the business that if I would have came in from sales or enablement, um, I would have had a much more commercial view. And, uh, and so my roots are are heavy in that FP and a, um, and ultimately EBITDA discussion and, um, and you know, sustainable growth model. And so you know, as my career has progressed, and I've had these wonderful opportunities with high growth companies who are both um, acquisitive and I've had a lot of experience you know, in the PE world being acquired by different PE firms and implementing their playbook. Um, I think those are the things that um, as you're looking, as you're a RevOps professional looking to take that next leap, or to get that promotion um, mm-hmm. to tying your value to that enterprise creation um, is how you can put the years of that senior leader in the business. Um, and, you know, M and A is one of those um, really polarizing things that is really sexy and interesting to talk about, and then really challenging for the operators in the background um, to mm-hmm. go deliver on. Um, and I think M and A is one of those topics that um, is an area where, RevOps can really make an impact um, on accelerating value creation. Um, So, the sooner you're getting to that first customer, implementing them into your customer journey, um, combining, aligning tech stacks and um, and personnel, um, Mm -hmm. really a value add that if you marginalize yourself into that productivity and efficiency, you miss an opportunity to, to tie yourself to the, to the goals of the business and to you know, ultimately your CEO.
0: Is there anything else in terms of your GTM motion um, where you would take that MNA uh, mindset or scope and, 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 bring it into your GTM motion? Is there anything else to, to be included or do you, do you kind of cover the main pillars there when you talked about uh, yeah. quick wins yeah. and, and adoption?
1: Kind of the natural, the natural inclination I have around revenue operations is is three pillars, and, and one of them is is feeling sustainable revenue growth. Um, uh-huh. And 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 I'll I can dive into that. I think that's an important topic to talk about. But I also think about the whole customer journey, um, uh-huh. which is which is where I do, I do believe revenue operations departs from sales ops is thinking about um, customer retention, right, and customer journey, customer satisfaction. Um, and by having that more enterprise view, um, I think it does tie into if that mindset exists in your whole team, um, we're all aligned in going towards that, that enterprise value, but the feeling sustainable revenue growth is, is an interesting topic because I think it's a, it may be a different way to talk about.
0: Uh, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about efficiency,
1: it. Efficiency, um, but, 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 but when I step back, um, I believe that most of us in this revOps profession we, we do get tasked in or tagged in on those those larger enterprise projects um, mm-hmm. which is which is the integration of, of acquisitions um, which could potentially do be part of the team that's helping with diligence on acquiring companies or packaging your company to be sold whether it's to an IPO or to to a p you know PE or or even maybe a strategic um, acquisition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then uh, and that you know that it, it, it trickles um, and that trickles into, you know, your global expansion uh, and how do you support globalizing your product and your sales organization and sales readiness. Um, and then as you think, you know, continue through uh, your own internal team, um, the, the product side of things, how do we, how do we operationalize and bring to market new product offerings, new pricing models um, revenue operations is, is a key contributor to that process Right. And, and again, if you if you just stick to the efficiency, um, I think a lot of CEOs and maybe even CROs just hear, oh, yeah, fewer button clicks. Now oh, he's going to they're going to make it he or she's going to make it easier for um, for the sales reps to get their job done. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you really think deeper into those peel that onion back, um, it is around optimization and, and how does your tech stack um, contribute to to accelerating um, revenue growth? And how do you think about that continuous improvement process? Um, those are those next layers of di- dialogue and discussion that I think world class revOps teams do naturally and um, and we see it and we see the impact, but I think that 's the next evolution that is we 're talking about here sitting on a podcast where hopefully a lot of RevOps folks are going to have the chance. Maybe that light bulb goes off of oh, you know I, I thought I was saying the right thing, and maybe I lost my audience right mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm we weren't drinking our own champagne. If we're, if we're talking about sales enablement sales methodology, and we're going to go sell our services internally to our C-suite let's make sure that we're using the right language. And how do we think about that? How do we quantify um, those impacts?
0: I I find it fascinating because when you think about that kind of readiness phase, at some point it feels like there's a, there's a transition play where, you know, initially you're trying to grow exponentially or achieve hyper growth or grow, you know, at a higher cost of acquisition. And then if you're probably getting ready to uh, to be acquired or, or any of the other options that you mentioned there, you probably want to cut back on some of the expensive overheads that allowed you to kind of saturate or penetrate market so quickly. Um, how long... When, when do you know, when, is the, when do the traffic lights kind of kick in? When do you know to change gear? What are the signals? Um, how do you do that without alarming the rest of the company uh, who are probably quite attuned to, yeah. uh, to your actions?
1: It's a, it's a great question. I think it's, uh, it's probably more art than science. Um, <laughs> and I would say I think having a lot of experience in those kind of start-stop-continues around M&A and uh, whether it be a divestiture or, or an acquisition um, is, is really built starting with trust with your with your C-suite, with your CRO, with your CCO, with your CSO, um, mm-hmm. is, is knowing that you're the trusted advisor and you have a seat at that table. Um, and then you've got to have your own trusted advisors. You've got to have a right hand or a left hand that can help you to be able to navigate through some of those tricky things. Um, you know, my experience as a senior leader in, in RevOps has been a lot of that time, that's where it's time for you to roll up your sleeves, um, and and do that you know do that analysis after hours or you know, or, you know before work starts or, or or what have you but but I think if you if you tie in the, the two discussions around uh, setting your sights on value creation um, if you're speaking the language of the CEO the CFO the CTO um, that should give you a, a better relationship to better trust to be able to go okay they understand um, what 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 we're thinking here. And it's not just around, hey, those guys uh, optim- optimize the CRM workflows or the CBQ workflows or the, the back office work, right? So it's, it's becoming that um, accelerated uh, co- organization within the corpora- corporation that, that um, you know, hopefully if you've done your job right, they couldn't imagine doing any of these things without you, whether it's acquiring a company, divesting a company, preparing for an IPO, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you've got to have a trusted advisor, a great relationship with your team. Um, and know what they are, right? And and there's there is a balance. You mentioned it. It's the balance is um, how do you not signal out to the business, hey, there's there's activity happening, um, but also deliver that value back to the business that they need, right? Around insights or um, you know, or, or the diligence piece.
0: Very good. So moving uh, one step further forward from that, you touched on it very briefly, but we didn't dig in yet to optimizing your, your revenue tech stack. What does a revenue tech stack look like for someone who's in the process of building one?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, your revenue tech stack or go-to-market tech stack probably varies based on how you're structured. And so you know, the different variations of, of revenue operations may be a combination of traditional sales operations and marketing operations. Um, for me, I've got experience on the the CS side as well and in, in customer operations. Right. Um, and we're actually doing some unique things where we have our per, uh, pre-sales and solutions engineers reporting into RevOps. And so what that does is it really centralizes um, kind of all of those support functions. And um, as I think about tech stack, um, it's really around, for me, it's around two things. It's around simple and simple good Um, and it's around, how do we provide the right amount of data and information that's consumable and actionable for the business? Mm -hmm. Those are the two key components. If it makes uh, my life simpler, my global sales organization simpler, my customer operations or customer services teams lives simpler, those are the right things. Um, And then the other side of that is around how do we get the right information uh, to, to drive actionable business decisions.
0: Do you have to filter information? Do you have to be the, uh, the first eyes on stuff and then translate it into dumbed-down uh, iterations for it to go out to the uh, different d- yeah, department- think, departmental leads or do you give uh, it in the raw kind of this is as it is?
1: I think I think, um, I, you know, I think it's, a, it's a great opportunity. So if there's a, a young RevOps analyst out there who's thinking about that, I think um, audience and altitudes are really important. Hmm. Um, and, and, and knowing and hearing your audience and finding that right altitude of where they like to operate is, is a key success driver. If you're looking to accelerate your career, move into that next step. Um, I would encourage anybody to go out there and really think about those two things, is, is how do I find what my audience cares about and then how do I put that data in the right altitude? So um, I think um, I probably haven't spent a lot of time with any groups where I would say they look for information that's dumbed down um, my experience is, especially over the last probably five years, is, is our senior leaders have really accelerated their ability to digest uh, and have an appetite for detail and data um, in a way that maybe if you profiled you know, the past, um, wouldn't have been there. Um, right. The executive dashboard is, has gone by the wayside in a way as our CEOs and presidents, uh, COOs, really are living in the information almost at the same level as, as some of us. Um, Mm -hmm. Sure. There's a very deep level of analysis. I think that happens in a lot of our operations groups. Um, But I think it's been an interesting evolution to see just how um, roll up your sleeves and in the weeds, uh, most of our senior leaders have become. And that's, you know, again, finding that right altitude, right? Where, where do you want to be and where do they want to play?
0: It's only, I think it's only good for better for all of us. So moving forward from that to kind of supporting the global expansion for go-to-market, how does, how does, how does that play a part in, in your role?
1: Yeah, I, in revenue operations, if you think of, um, you know, traditional functions around our systems, you know, things like CPQ, which would, um, which would be, you know, we might be thinking about product offerings or mm-hmm. uh, currencies. Um, but sales readiness as well, right? How do we think about languages and how do we be the liaison between end users, customers and consumers, maybe back to product and how do we become that voice of sales, right? How do we say that and how do we translate uh, maybe technical product stuff uh, that comes over to us into sales readiness, into, you know, customer language? Um, and I think as you look to globalize, that becomes increasingly important. Um, because I think it's obvious that one country or one region of the world um, isn't like the next. And I believe one of the core functions for uh, RevOps is to support that global expansion. And I don't just mean have the ability to make that first sale, but to um, follow it from lead to cash, uh, to make sure that we're thinking about the customer journey, but putting it in their terms and not just, hey, here's how we go to market. We go to market like this, um, that may not resonate with the customers or consumers, the way, they buy, the way they pie, where legal gets involved, does legal exist? There's all those different um, considerations as you look at global um, expansion that I think revenue, uh, RevOps can have the ability to impact positively.
0: Do you have anybody in because you have a pretty dynamic RevOps team by, by most standards, do you have anybody in-house? That helps you to acclimatize to the cultural norms and practices of those new regions. Somebody no, uh, who speaks from all the subtleties that you might be like completely offending the, uh, the norms of that culture uh, as you put your best foot forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say a dedicated function. No, but our, our sales enablement team is really the hub to those many spokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be with our product marketing team with our competitive intel team, uh, certainly with our sales organizations, uh, with marketing, um, they're the hub in that in that organization. You know, as far as that uh, that expansion, uh, as far as dedicating a role, um, not yet. Um, but I think there is an interesting, depending on where you where you are in your global expansion process,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there is um, there is such nuance, I think the nuance can can be a make or break, in whether right. you can you can new markets. So. I would call sales sales enablement for us uh, and revenue enablement on the CS side as well um, as that as that core function that that plays the hub to the spokes.
0: Very good. So, with all the data that you receive from all of these different inputs, what data are you f- able to feed back to product uh, team, and and how are you able to create that handshake between your role and and what they do?
1: There's a lot of interesting ways Gideon um, that I think I've seen in the span of my career on, on how, how we can inform that. And first of all, it starts with having a relationship uh, and, and knowing that one another exists in the organization. So depending mm-hmm. on how big your company is, if you're in a, you know, large, large corporation, multiple thousands of employees, that may not be the case is that your average product development folks may not know that RevOps exists and vice versa. So I think, Starting there um, is is key to build a bridge. Um, but then, as you think about um, things like voice of customer, um, competitive data, uh, as you think about win loss information, reason codes for wins and losses, um, being a conduit back from sales, um, you know, via kind of center of excellence, um, post mortem deal analysis, where we can be voice of customer, voice of field. Um, I think is a great way for uh, RevOps to again play a play a hub in this multi-spoke around product, um, and then certainly on the other side, as as product looks to bring new uh, new product new products to market, um, there's an opportunity there not just to provide information, but to, to be the to be the you know conduit out to the business, and that's around you know pricing and how do we think about discounting and and market awareness, how do we drive the right sales incentives and commission plans to incent that? Um, You know, how how do you think about um, arming the sales team, right readiness, right talk track, right altitude? Again, as you look around globalization or different markets, verticals, even your sales motions, even between your, um, you know, traditional hunting or land motion and your expand motion and farming, um, the talk track changes, right? As you think about how do we, um, what is, the, what is the time to value and speed to value for customers? Um, mm-hmm. Those things change, whether they're already one of your core customers and you're adding on or if you're you know, starting from day one. So I think that's a way that we could be an extension of the product organization. Mm-hmm. Um, partnering, partnering with product marketing, par- partnering with product development, I think is, a, is an opportunity for every RevOps team to, again, is stepping way back to the beginning, as you look at enterprise value creation, um, that's a way to step out of that. Hey, we're the, We're the Salesforce guys. We're the Excel guys. Our team does. Mm -hmm. We do the the forecast. Um, Yeah, we do the forecast. And yes, we do the Excel. And yes, we do the Salesforce. But it's that extension of of value that we create internally. um, That's a pivot, right? And that's, I think, where you can change the game for your
0: organization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then tell me. What unique insights do you create um, which inform business decisions um, beyond what I would expect to hear out of the box? Is there anything special that you do differently or better when it comes to um, surfacing those insights?
1: yeah you know I think the the key thing is there's there's the uh, what I call you know up and out and down and in um and and down and in for me is how do we think about you know segmenting and targeting our customers? And, uh, and we have a, a very unique segmentation that, that, that we use to target the right customers. And I don't mean um, just the, the surface level of right customers might be um, conversion ratios off of leads, but, but we look at the full um, customer lifetime value, CLTV, um, on, our, on our segmentation of, of likelihood to churn and retention, likelihood to expand and buy more, Um, and, and so really looking at the holistic life cycle of the customer with, with the business, Mm -hmm. um, as part of your segmentation. So I think there's a, there's a value add there that is more so than, um, Hey, call if they're purple, call them. It's really around how do you understand the DNA of what happens after we get them in, right? how Mm -hmm. do we retain customers, make sure that they're uh, expandable. Um, and then the up and out insights, you know, as you look at your executive teams, um, your C suite, your product leaders, uh, marketing leaders—certainly. Um, standard fare is uh, we call reporting the weather. You know, seventy-five and sunny today. Uh, if you're somewhere else, maybe twenty-eight and sunny, um, depending on where you are in the world. Um, yeah, is, you,
0: for, you forgot where my hometown was, right? Yeah. So, that's, 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 <laughs> yeah rainy. It's, uh, it's Twenty-four and raining. Yes. <laughs> Twenty-four
1: and raining in London always. Um, but yeah, so I think that's that's standard fare. But I, I believe when you can. Um, when you can add more value to the discussion is, is when you do have that um, that level of insight that says hey I'm not just looking at the, the data on the spreadsheet it's that I've been talking to the sales organization I've actually wrote along with some of the SDRs on their calls I have that connection with product and, and as such we're able to provide deeper insights into what's going on in the market Um you know, following and staying on top of what our competitors are doing with acquisitions, or maybe even adjacent spaces. Hey, did you hear that? Uh, Lululemon just bought Mirror, right? Some of those things that are that's really interesting. How does that impact? Um, rather than again, just kind of taking that back seat to, hey, we're gonna you know give you steps and tricks to fewer clicks in Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It really it really marginalizes. Um, and I have this interesting quote, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I have the, the quote here, right. I think it was my friend Hillary um, who said, um, You know, sales ops and rev ops is sometimes like the plumbing, right? Um, you know, plumbing in a home or a business is, is when you walk into the home, you're never looking for whether the plumbing works or not. But as soon as it doesn't work, you have a problem. Uh-huh. Um, and then everyone knows you have a problem. Um, and I think there's a the, the shift in all of us is around how do we become the foundation and the walls and the roof. Right? This is the structure of what the business does, uh, especially around go to market, but around the entire customer journey mm-hmm. uh, is a great is a great opportunity for all of us.
0: Very good. So I guess, and, and from what I've taken from from speaking to you now and before, is that there must be a continual process of um, improvement within your organization, what does that look like? I guess there's something like a RevOps flywheel where uh, where there's a cyclical nature to things. What, what yeah. does that look like in your case or within your experience?
1: I love that. I love the RevOps flywheel, like, that's a that's a great thing. Um, uh, here's what I'll say, I'll go out on, on, a, on the edge of the cliff and say I, I believe so deeply in continuous improvement and optimization that I've actually created a small subset of a dedicated organization within my RevOps team that's focused solely on continuous improvement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, and, and I believe that, uh, I have a phrase that's, it's a little crude. So, so bear with me. It's, it's kill Sally and Sally stands for same as last year. Um, okay. we believe deeply that what got us here, won't get us there. And even what right. happened 90 days ago, especially in today's crazy environment, right. what worked, um, in February of 2020 probably isn't working uh, on July 1st of 2020 and so by constantly checking ourselves, um, creating an environment in your rev organization that is ripe for ideation. Uh, improvement, you know, creating an area where you can fail, uh, I think, is a is a great space for us who are sometimes by nature overly analytical or really attached to the success of a project. I think For all of us to step back and just say, hey, let's create an environment where we have um, a way of working, a way of thinking, a way of talking um, that can drive um, team acceleration. How do you get the whole team? Um, I have a friend, his name is uh, Joe Slater. Joe owns, he's the CEO of a company called Better Practice. And Joe um, teaches teams how to accelerate. He literally is coming into your organization saying, this is a way of working for any team and any organization to accelerate, and it's been one of those pivotal moments in my career where I really had a light bulb, where I thought deeply about individual personal acceleration of people. Is if everyone starts sprinting um, uh-huh. or has the right, you know, um, gas tank to be able to run long distance? Um, but 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 it kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks one day. Is um, man, what if they sprint in the other directions? What if one goes left and right, one goes north and south? Um, so really around how do you take continuous improvement make it part of your daily discussion every huddle you have um, creating an improvement council um, and really just having a really healthy disrespect for the status quo this is what we do here Um, and I think we don't do enough of that it's really easy to get stuck because you're focused on the next shiny thing
0: it's implicit from what you said that you must be hiring a specific a certain caliber and type of person then from that, because that might not be the traditional view of what a Revops person looks like. That person committed to continual improvement out of the box thinking, fa- failing well, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You might think that they'd be the data junkie or, or whatever else. Um, but no, you, you've implicitly kind of hinted that you must be hiring a certain type of person. Um, so, so what is that person?
1: Yeah, so the, so the person is, um, is primarily someone who, who focuses on getting things done, right? <laughs> getting things done can, can look like a variety of different things. But, but I think if you look at, at career opportunities um, within your RevOps org, so your RevOps org may be 10 or it might be 100, but as you look at the different rungs of the ladder and where people with maybe unique, maybe they aren't all um, Excel nerds like I am. I'm an Excel junkie. I just love living in the data and the information. Um, but if left to my own devices, I may have blind spots. Um, right. So I think those, those, um, those continuous improvement folks have that, that healthy disrespect for the norm, um, for, how, for same as last year for Sally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe they are um, maybe a more creative type, or maybe they are someone who says, um, hey, I have that self-leadership to continue to move forward um, and not just live in the spreadsheet or live in the CRM or um, live in the content or the, the piece. And so it is a fairly atypical, um, you know, standard profile of a RevOps employee. But I, I also believe that, that, again, RevOps is evolving. Um, and it is evolving into something that um, I believe in five years, if you uh, walk into a business and they don't have a RevOps function, um, you're gonna be on the wrong side of, of uh, you know, growth history in, in where we are in this, in this trajectory. And so um, it is an evolution of RevOps. Um, to have continuous improvement thinking there is, is sure, it's atypical, um, but we don't have to just leave that to PNC or to uh, HR and say, hey, how do we get better? Let's partner with them and have that right here so that every day our 20, 30, 40, 100 people, however many folks we have in our org, have a foundation and environment and support to get better they mm-hmm. um, can get better every day we can bring more value to the business
0: right and Jeff you, you touched on something a moment ago when you said what what may have worked in February might not be what works today I think that leads us uh, leads us on well to to the reality of the new normal for for all of us across the board I'm, I'm a, a fair way away from you right now but from your perspective, from where you sit right now within the revenue operations space, what does the new normal look like What's, What do you anticipate? what does it feel like? What is the texture of it? Um, how does it impact you
1: yeah i think um, I think there's two answers to that, Giddy, and I think the first answer is um, there is a market environment being driven by the the shutdown and the quarantine that is mm-hmm. uh, pro- hopefully. <laughs> a temporary normal, um, which is this 90-day, 180-day, 270-day, good Lord, better not be more than 270-day market dynamic of, of the impact of businesses shutting down and communities shutting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that drives the need for us to um, reinvestigate our sales methodology, um, re-look at our marketing outbound, re-look at our value proposition, um, lead with empathy in our sales organization around hey what you might be going through right now could be something completely different uh-huh. um, but the the longer term play is is much more interesting and that is around um, you and I both sitting at home right now or at least i 'm sitting in my living room saying hey i 've been here now for one hundred and five or one hundred and ten days um, this is my home office and right. um, and i 'm not just working from home and and so as you look at Bringing sales organizations but also support organizations like revOps, um, bringing them into virtual um, it changes the dynamic um, and um, for me personally and where we and where uh, my company goes, we go to market primarily um, through inside sales right so sales motion may be a little less impacted um, than say an enterprise sales rep who's on the road traveling sitting in front of a CEO of a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is how do we structure you know, motivation? How do we really dive into new channels of communication? How do we be much more effective with our time? How do we do things like focus on our wellness? Um, our, our mission at MindBody is to connect the world to wellness. Mm-hmm. And then how do we make sure we're drinking our own champagne and, and caring for ourselves and each other um, in this time? So I think there are some inherent short-term challenges around how do we make sure we communicate? How do we, how do we replace the, the swivel chair, right? Oh, you know, I, I don't know how to do this, do you do that? And so we're using you know, communication tools like, um, like messengers or, or, or chat boards, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Um, but I think there's also this, this other dynamic and opportunity for all of us to say, okay, what if we took some of the geographic boundaries off where we can find talent in the world? Um, especially as we look to become more diverse workplace and to globalize and expand. Um, how do we be able to say, okay, um, we used to have to be within a certain amount of geographic space of, of one of our offices. Uh-huh. Um, maybe some of those restrictions relax and we can you know, widen our talent pool and, and get deeper um, in some of those areas around geographic expansion or product expansion um localization um or just tap into different communities that we didn't have access to before. So I believe there's a there's a great opportunity here um, that is the much longer term for us to to even to provide more value as a revenue operations group.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And and uh in doing so, what that new normal for us is really around um things like this. We're on Zoom today. Um, you know, we may have been uh sitting in a conference room together you know, doing physical high fives, and right. uh, and the world has changed.
0: Or uh, vice versa, you may not have found time to do this in the old world, because uh, because you had stand-up meetings and impromptu meetings and ad hoc meetings, and right. and. And all of the above uh which kept you pretty busy until the moment um same t- t- you know was was there where you had to go home and, and go see your family and now all of a sudden you're you're adding value not only to your internal organization but but everybody that's tuning here within the wider revenue operations and sales operations uh forum uh which we're thankful for, and probably the same for myself too, you know we did this and launched this um podcast channel recently, and obviously there was things that have happened recently, which have been a catalyst for change. Um, so maybe on the flip side of it, I might not have made that decision as quickly uh, had things been, you know, had the status quo continued and now it's buried in performance marketing and, and all the rest of it. Uh, so, so definitely a good on both sides of the equation. Um, in terms of your passion for, for leadership, I'm, I'm interested to know about your effective framework for an execution strategy, of course, for enterprise value creation and acceleration. Um, kind of bringing back as we, as we start to wrap things up now with, with where we started, um, what does that effective framework really look like?
1: Yeah. The, the defining moment of my career started in my personal life. I had a, I had my first second child who was born very premature, mm-hmm. um, spent a lot of time in the hospital and, um, and it really changed my mindset on people and, and empathy and um, how wonderful folks could be. And I think it, it, it it redirected, it turned a dial for me in my professional career as well, where um, I can look to that point, that time in my career and say, that's the time where I really um, changed my focus from in, improving myself as a means of growing my career and impact to improving others and, and investing in others as a means to grow my own career and our careers. Mm. And they all, they all tie in. Um, and I think, you know, it's really hard. It's kind of faux pas to talk about oh, grow your own career. Um, but I, I believe that um, and I've learned in time that the, the fastest way for me to, to accelerate my impact on the business I support is to deeply invest in my team. Um, and much, uh, much less around sharpening my own swords around systems or processes and really thinking about how do I um, create and foster that culture of continuous improvement um, that will then translate into that team acceleration where we're all going faster, uh, more velocity and, and in the general same direction and I think it gives you the ability to, to do different things that so, uh it's so Jeff.
0: Do I Jeff, I've got to ask the question before I hear anything more from yeah. you. So if you're investing in in those people, which which you are, and you've created this awesome culture of continuous improvement which you have, I'd be you know, if I was listening to this uh from, from wherever and tuning in, I'd be thinking, I'm gonna take Jeff's I'm going to take Jeff's best uh, best employee because he's doubled down on investing in them. They have the right mindset and all of that. So how do you, Jeff, um, after making all of that investment, kind of safeguard yourself and, and keep the retention play uh, in on internal team members that you've invested in deeply because these guys are now uh, really well-educated, well-equipped, and have a great experience set where they could probably be, be a leader in their own right somewhere else in the not-too-distant future, maybe not... On the same level as you, uh, exactly per se, but but still valid in their own right, and probably they want to learn. Uh, yeah.
1: it's a great question, and it's it's something that um, I've stopped losing sleep over at night because, um, first of all, I think by prioritizing the people over me or maybe the team. Um, I can't say anything other than if that happens or that situation happens, I can't say anything other than congratulations. You deserved it. Go kick ass there and and let's stay in touch. Um, But I believe that by valuing the people, um, our people become ingrained and entrenched in the mission of what we're on. Um, And so looking at the grass being greener somewhere else is, is something that hopefully doesn't happen as often. And it's not a unique to Jeff um, situation. This is, if you, that great environment, if you create a culture and foster it the right way, um, uh, then your, your team wants to be on that journey. And they know we've created these opportunities like the continuous improvement opportunity that maybe doesn't exist in other reb functions to say, I can grow here. Um, and I can take that, but, um, but I think it, it, it develops a bit of, uh, of loyalty and not loyalty to me by any means. They are loyal to what we are doing as a team, to that acceleration, to the growth, to the value creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it makes it, we, what we say, we call it the and strategy on our team. It is high performance and creating a culture that we want to work in. And we get to do that. We, In our RevOps team, uh, we, we follow the culture of our organization. We align with our core values. And within RevOps, we say this is our culture to create of how we want to work, how we want to talk to one another, and people want to be part of that. And if they don't, then we just say, great, let's, how do we help you be happy? How do mm-hmm. we help you go home and talk to your person and have more good Fridays, more uh, that was a good week? Right? I always tell my team, what's the good Friday quotient? How many, how many times do you go home and tell your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, mom, dad, dog, cat, I had a great week, right? I wanna have a lot more good Fridays um, than bad Fridays. And if they don't, then we just have that conversation. Hey, how, mm. do we ha- how do we put you in a position to have more good Fridays? We always hope it can be with us on our team. And if it can't, maybe it's in our organization, another function. I um, mean, if it's not by valuing the people and saying, hey, we value you more than that. Um, mm. Find the right home. So I, I, my hope and desire is that we create a place that people are emboldened and impassioned and empowered to go be great and, um, and go, you know, flex their muscles.
0: Very awesome. Jeff, what better note to, uh, to summarize with you You don't need to say more than that. You just nailed it Uh, more than you know. So I'm going to thank you uh, earnestly for an outstanding session. We've learned a lot from you here today. Um, would love to hear more from you again in in the near future, um, and and. Literally from all of the team here at RevAmp, we'd like to thank you for, for giving us your time, your experience, your knowledge, and, and most of all, your passion. I mean, RevOps is such an exciting space to, uh, to be a part of and helping to define the way things go. So uh, it really transcended from you that you have a ton of passion for what you do. Uh, and I'm sure that's infectious right the way through your team.
1: A pleasure, uh, an honor, and a heck of a lot of fun. It's uh, it's good to do it. So thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to uh, to happy to join anytime. Thanks, Gideon.
0: Thanks, Jeff.
2: Appreciate it.
1: All right, cheers.